This is but one of a thousand true crimes. Welcome back to A Thousand True Crimes. You're here with Chelsea and Joe. What is so funny? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> We're just getting oh off to a great start. Gosh. <laughs> well, how are you? I need you? to laugh today. Today has been like a rough grief day, so I'm ready to like drink some wine and laugh and talk about a really sad story. <laughs> oh, talk about therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm good. Um, just you know, hanging in there. We didn't lose yeah, power last like, weekend. I don't know if you did, but we didn't. No, we didn't either. Did you guys have fun in the snow? Did you get actual snow? No. We got like oh, we got uh, some snow. We got like a whole inch of ice, and that was like it, and like a dusting of mm. snow. But we're supposed no, to. No, we actually like, did get some snow. We're supposed to get some snow this weekend, so we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be cute to have some cute snow baby pictures. Yes, it would be. Yes. So, but, I mean, I'm ready for summer. I'm over it. I'm done. I've had yeah. my winter fix. I'm good. I actually, I got that feeling today, too, actually. I was like, you know what? I'm ready for it to be warm again. I actually am. <laughs> yeah, I'm done with it, so. Well... <laughs> Welcome to Weather Talk 101. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the exciting lives of two middle-aged women hosting Ew, a podcast. Don't say middle-aged. <laughs> I am very middle-aged. You might not be, but I am very middle-aged. Oh I feel like gosh. I'm not even middle-aged. I feel like I'm like a 45 to 50-year-old woman trapped in a 32-year-old's body. <laughs> oh my. Okay, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Do you know what they say? Like, whatever generation is now, I don't know, is it Gen X? Is that it? Is that like the... The the littles, the babies? The ones that are like all on TikTok and like... Gen Z. Gen Z. Okay. I can't keep track. Gen Z. Do you know what they say now? What? That we were born in like the 1900s. Yeah, I know. I've heard. I've seen. How? I haven't heard anyone say it directly, but I've seen it. How fucking rude is that? Like, I was not alive with that's Lizzie Borden. Like, that's when I think of 1900s. I think, like, Lizzie Borden and, like, child labor laws didn't even exist yet. Like, fuck off. Hey, <laughs> like, I, we I'm were coding. It. We were coding without realizing we were coding MySpace so that you could be on TikTok today. So, bye. Yeah. I know. Well, we're that weird in-between g- generation where we kind of, like, we're a bridge. Let's not even get Gen Z involved in the conversation because they were part of that, too, where it's just like we're real confused. We are all very confused. We were Uh, supposed (laughs) to go to college and buy houses, yet we cannot afford houses and we have no jobs from our college. We don't have health insurance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were just very confused. (laughs) Yeah. We're not. We're trying to figure it out. But well, anyways, what are you drinking over there? So this week I got, um, it's a Zinfandel from Predator, Mm. which is a super cute wine company because they use ladybugs to try and help combat parasites. 
Um, so they reduced the use of, I know they got a little ladybug on the label. So they try to re- reduce the use of pesticides. It's called Predator and it's an old wine zen. They're very focused on being an eco-friendly wine winery. Um, and it's good. It's got that smoky finish that you kind of expect from a zen. It's a little on the sweeter side for me, but it's good. It's a mm. full flavor. I just wouldn't think of as a ladybug as Predator, but I guess they kind of are. They can't react to whatever they eat. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Makes sense. Um, that's good. But it's good. What are you drinking over there? So I got, the day got away from me and I completely forgot it was Thursday and I did not go on any type of wine run. So I'm actually just drinking hot chocolate. Well, that sounds cozy. Yes, it's actually very cozy. And I have a ton of work meetings like early in the morning. So it's probably better (laughs) that the day got away from me. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, shit. And all the stores were closed on base by the time I realized. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going off. No, that's a bit of a drive. Yeah, it's like 20 minutes just to get off base. So So hot chocolate it is. And it's actually very good. And I'm very happy with my choice. So. (laughs) <laughs> good i'm glad that you're satisfied well are you ready to hear about this sad case um sure yes let's mm. dig on in girl I don't think I have a choice. <laughs> let's bring everybody down a few notches um so i am actually going to cite my sources at the end because the title of the um episode that i watched will kind of give away a little bit of the story so i'm going to okay. cite my sources at the end um but today we're going to be talking about Bobby Gonzalez, who is not the one of the coaches for the Detroit Pistons. It's a different Bobby Gonzalez. Okay. He is a 15-year-old boy who, on March 6th of 1992, shot his girlfriend's parents in their bed as they slept. Dang. He was sentenced to life in prison. Okay. So let's get into the story. So Saturday the 6th, in a small town of... Frisco, Texas, the police received a 911 call from one of the two daughters of Rosalind and Vernon Caldwell. She tells them that both of her parents have been shot in their bed and to come quickly. Officers arrive on the scene and enter the premises. There's immediately a a couch when they enter, and they find one of the daughters, who was 16, laying on the couch, presumably in shock after finding her parents. They continue their way down a hallway and into a bedroom at the end of the hall where they find Rosalind and Vernon lying in their own blood on their bed. Mm. Mm. Paramedics arrive shortly after and start working on Vernon because it was clear by the fact that there was already coagulation around Rosalind's head that she had passed away. It was later discovered that she had been shot in the foot. The bullet traveled up through her chin into her brain and killed her instantly. Wait, she was shot in the foot? It went through her foot, into her chin, into her brain, and killed her immediately. Because she was, like, the way she was laying down. Yeah, they were laying in their bed, and whoever this person is, which we'll get to where they saw the scene, um, was obviously firing at them from the doorway. Holy shit. Like, imagine, like, you're up at the gates, and they're like, yeah, you got shot in the foot, but the bullet, like, traveled. Like, it wasn't like I was shot no. in the foot and, like, went to the wall. Like, that is, like, what the fuck? I know. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it's it's kind of important um, 
Vernon was able to be taken to the hospital in critical condition with two gunshot wounds to his lower body, but he did survive. Okay. Um, so that was her husband. As they're like, you know, checking the scene and everything, once they've secured like life and the, the, the victims, they realize that there's four casings on the floor, which match up to the bullet wounds that they found. Um, okay. So they start questioning the daughters gently about what happened. And Chrissy, who was the younger of the two daughters, um, said that she had been out with her boyfriend the night before. They were just riding around with friends, you know, doing what teenagers do, Mm -hmm. hanging out. So the police go to his house to try to find him. And um, they they find his family and his mom who were shocked at the news of the shooting. And at this point... The only reason the cops wanted to talk to him was because, you know, he had been with the daughter the night before. So they were just trying to see if he knew anything or if yeah. she had mentioned anything or anything like that. Because we have to remember that this was a small town. They're not used to dealing with homicides, especially not like this. And um, the Caldwells were just nice, respectable people. Like they yeah. weren't. And it's people who you would expect to have problems. Right. Like it's it's right. like in cold blood. Yeah. And it seemed like, right, it seemed like there was, I mean, we're going to get more into that, too. Um, Once Bobby's mom had found out what had happened, she was like, we're going to go to the funeral. Like, we're all going. Yeah. Um, Because it was the right thing to do. So they did. They went to the funeral. So meanwhile, the police are combing the area for evidence or clues, but they found nothing. We come to find out that the bullets were from a gun in the house, in the home. So that's not helpful. Okay. Um, and while I am sure that they did their best, it is important to remember. Uh, well, I guess I already said that before, so I need to say this again. But, it, you know, there's it's a small town. It's a small police force. Like, their yeah, resources they should have probably limited. called some help. They could have. And and who knows, like, what evidence, what other evidence was there that maybe they didn't see. Or when EMS came in, we know EMS can mess with evidence. So mm-hmm. they were having a really hard time. But they did know that whoever did this was likely someone somehow familiar with the family. Because according to the girls, the dogs, who were big dogs, protective mm-hmm. dogs, they didn't bark in the night. There was no sign of a break-in, and nothing was stolen from the property. Okay. So, so it was very it's deliberate like, okay. by somebody who knows them. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. Like, all right. Okay. Yeah. What's going on here? So people in the community, of course, were getting antsy. You know, they wanted answers. They wanted to catch somebody. They wanted they wanted an arrest. Um, but weeks passed and nothing happened. The news was just going crazy and everyone was freaking out. And you know how small towns are. The rumor mill just starts going and going and going. Um, and there were, you know, rumors going around the high school. They didn't say much in the episode about, like, how they found this information out. But about a month later, Bobby ended up getting arrested. And everyone was shocked okay. when this happened. Um, and Bobby was dating Chrissy. Chrissy, the youngest of okay. the two daughters, right? Um, and everyone was shocked when they when they found this out because he was really mild mannered. He was on the mm-hmm. football team, but he wasn't even like hyper aggressive on the football team. He never fought anybody like during a match or anything like that. He was a good student. He got good grades. But in a recorded interview, 
he did confess. And I'm going to play that for you guys now. What time did you uh, drive out to Caldwell House? Say roughly around 12.20, 12.30. Did you go in the house? I guess so. And what did you do when you went into the house? I walked toward the master bedroom. Go into the master bedroom? Uh, yes, sir, I did. What did you do when you got in there? Shot at burning Caldwell and shot at Mr. Caldwell. Okay, so I, I couldn't hear the first part of it, but towards the end I heard him, like, they asked if he went into the master bedroom, and he said yes. And then he said that he shot them. Yep. So he confessed. And how old is he? 15. How is there not a law? that my there should be a law where you cannot interview minors without in a like a parent or a lawyer present okay well or yeah I, I mean that should be a law that's not a law but we actually will get to some of the laws that are involved here okay so i mean i'm just saying like thought. i know it's not a law but like no, it should yeah. be a I law. agree. I agree. I, I don't disagree with you. I know his and his parents might have been there. I mean, his mom and his family are all very supportive. Um, I didn't see much in the way of his dad, but his dad could have been there and just not wanted to be on camera, you know. Um, but they could have been there. They very well could have been there. But he confessed like he was admitting that he did it. Like he wasn't trying to hide. He wasn't trying to run away. He was like taking responsibility for what he did. So they did bring on a detective who was one of the detectives who interviewed him. His name is Detective Roach. And I'm going to be honest, I don't like this guy. And so you're just going to have to pardon my bias when I don't talk about him really nice. He said he didn't seem upset or confused. He just seemed straightforward like he was telling the plot to a movie, which I and, and you guys can watch the documentary. They have the confession on here. Like you can hear him when he says I shot uh, uh, Mr. Vernon and Mrs. Vernon. You can hear his voice starting to crack. Like, you can hear that yeah. that's hard for him to say. Like, I'm like, there's not, it's not emotionless. Yeah. Like, he has some feeling there. But I think this guy Roach just, like, was like, fuck this kid. His he killed these people. Roach. Yeah. That's a Which I think is fitting. way to go in life. Well, seven no months later. No offense if there's anybody out there with the last name Roach. But it's not, no. like, the best last name. They... They probably, they, yeah. I was going to say, it was probably rough. <laughs> it was probably rough. <laughs> um, so seven months later, he was convicted of first-degree murder and sentenced to life in prison. And Detective Damn. Roach said this was fair. He said, Mrs. Caldwell um, lost her life, and so did he. Which just is heartless. I don't know. There's something about him being 15 that I'm like, he's a child. Uh, like, yeah. he's a, they don't... No, I feel like there's so much more to the story and obviously you're going to get into it, but there's definitely like, yeah. like when we talked about the kid in Israel, he was a child. Yeah. And he yeah. straight that, up. That was murdered a weird situation. His, his family, like, I, like that is my, in my opinion, he straight up did it out of cold blood in my opinion. Yeah. So like was... to me, I'm kind of like, he should be in jail for the rest of his life. But, like, I don't know enough about the story to pass that judgment. But, like, yeah, you're not making the best decisions at 15. But at the same time, and I do agree, like, life is to me is a little intense for a 15-year-old. 
But at the same time, you do know what you're doing. Like, you know right from wrong at 15. Yeah. Yep. So it's a very light. <laughs> I can't. I, I don't want to say much. <laughs> okay. Well, continue then. Let's let's continue down this rabbit hole. Okay. So we're going to jump to 2012. Damn, so that we're was jumping in far. 90. We're jumping far. That was in 92. We're jumping to 2012. So 10 years later, the Supreme Court ruled in Miller versus Alabama that juvenile life without parole is unconstitutional. And as such, Bobby, who is at 41. I'm sorry. 20 years later, not 10 years later. Let me say that again. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see? No, keep that in there. Did you notice how, like, I didn't even catch that? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that seems right. Ten years. Nope, we forgot about <laughs> 2002. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole decade that happened. There was there. a whole decade. <laughs> right. We are really good at Sorry, guys. guys. Really we're so good. good. Listen, we don't, we're not, we're not, do not come to us to do your taxes. Do not come to us to help you with your math homework if you're older than I seven. know. My favorite is when people. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> yeah. They ask me, they're like, so what is like, like, per- X amount of percentage of this amount. I just like blankly look at them. Oh, and I'm girl. Like, done. I don't really yeah, know. Like, what are you asking me? What do I look <laughs> like? A calculator? Get your phone out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, do I, do I look like a phone to you? Like I I'm going to need a paper and a pencil <laughs> to figure this out. <laughs> Unless we're talking re- about percents of a hundred. That's it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. If I can't do it in quarters, I'm out. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, give me, like, something that I can, like, with dollars, like, that I can do the math. I can handle that. But if you're asking me what 30% off something that's twenty five ninety nine is, no, I cannot help you get out your phone. I'm no. <laughs> do not know. I, I'm out. It Goodbye. blows my mind when people can do that. Like, it really does. Because there are some people in this world mm-hmm. that you could just be like, what is 30% off of this? And they'd be like, it's this number and you're like whoa yeah you're so well, that's smart. my husband that's my husband. that was he mine could... as well yes that yeah was mine as well and I'm over here like I what thank you what? I don't know part of why I married how you. do I do long division again <laughs> I can still do long division thank god but don't ask me about percentages bruh okay so anyways, so okay so in 2012 the supreme court made this ruling so Bobby at 41 after 26 years served, was now able to pursue a new sentencing hearing under this precedent sent by the Supreme Court, which was met with mixed reactions. Obviously, the family Mm -hmm. of uh, the Caldwells were upset, mostly the dad. um, Yeah, of course. And but his family, Bobby's family, were like excited because obviously they didn't feel like there was like total justice done. And we're going to start getting into a little bit of why there are some gray areas in this case. Okay. so we meet Bobby in the documentary. He's actually coming to us and he's talking to us from prison behind, you know, the plexiglass and all that stuff. And so he tells us his story. He tells us that at the time he had no thoughts about consequence. All he was thinking was it needed to be done. His first 10 years were spent fight of prison were spent fighting for his life, like physically fighting, not like because he was depressed or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was he's sometimes, 15. Right. It was sometimes four or five times a day. He says that he saw what happened to kids in prison and he wasn't going to let that happen to him. 
after that, the next 15 years were easier, but he still never, he always said he never allowed himself to feel happy because he, he wanted to get out. He always Mm -hmm. wanted to keep that fire of wanting to get out. He didn't want to resign himself to living the rest of his life in prison, which I did make a point in here. Like that does bring up the point about throwing kids in with adults, which I don't know. Mm -mm. I tried to Google to find out. It says that he only switched prisons once. He spent the first, from what I could find, which please correct me if I'm wrong, but from what I could find, he spent his his first like six months at a correctional facility in New Mexico, and then the then he was transferred to a prison, which is where he was he's been. And so it had to have been. It couldn't be a juvenile prison, right? It had to have been like an actual I adult know, prison. Yeah, I I mean I don't know. To me, in my head, because I don't know all the state laws, in my head. I'm like, you should be in juvenile until you hit 18. And then at 18, you can go in. You go to I think jail. 21. But either way, you should not be in there but if you're 18, under 18. Yeah. No, I mean, but in my head, 18 technically like legal adult. So. Right, right, right. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But at um, 15 years old, like my God. 15 to me, that's not okay. But I mean, juveniles, like that system, those it's kids still get rough. attacked all the time. It's still rough. From, either way. From either people way that work it. there, people that that are other kids incarcerated <laughs> yeah and incarcerated so yeah it's no kinda... I I just felt like it was worth a conversation and maybe this prison has a juvenile branch and so he didn't have to move prisons he just went from one side of the prison to the other yeah I don't know, I don't know but that doesn't seem right there's not me. yeah there's not tons of information and because he is does have a, an appeal still open I'm guessing that's probably why they're keeping some of the stuff private too kind of like um Darlie mm-hmm so, okay, so getting back to his story. So Bobby tells us that he and Chrissy, they knew each other since elementary school. They kind of grew up together, but they didn't start dating until they were in eighth grade. He said she was friendly and loving and welcoming, and she was really quickly accepted into the Gonzalez family as, like, just one of the crew. Like, maybe yeah. not one of the family, but one of the crew. Like, she was always welcome at their house. They all loved her. They thought she was great. They would laugh together. They had good times together. Um Bobby says that he had never met her father, which he thought was a little bit odd. Um, Chrissy was always kind of super cagey about it. Okay. Um, She would just always say that her dad was working. He works all the time. He works. And his mom corroborated this, Bobby's mom. Um, But she did eventually tell Bobby that it was probably better for him not to meet her parents because they didn't approve of their relationship because Bobby was Mexican. I was going to say, is race going to come into this? In yeah. fact, they didn't believe in interracial relationships, which I'm like, how can you, you have, they exist. You can, you have to believe in them. They are real. Yeah. They happen. They exist. But you can't just not also, believe in them. But that's still early nineties <laughs> and like the early nineties were wild. Yeah. Well, they're also super hyper Christian family. And I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to crucify them because they are the victims, but they certainly seem like they didn't have their priorities in order. And I don't feel bad saying that. I feel like that's mm-hmm. just a fact. Um, and I, I and I'll leave it at that. I'll just leave it. Okay. At that. Yeah. Um, I won't pass further judgment because, again, they are the victims. So. So Bobby says that he knew it was racism then. Mm-hmm. Um. And that a lot of people thought that that was his motive for murdering Rosalind and attempting to murder Vernon. But he says that that wasn't it. We jump in the 
documentary to someone talking about Vernon after he recovered. And okay. he was pissed. Rosalind was the love of his life. And he was out for blood. Yeah. He was just out for blood. So as a result of the trial, a bunch of the... And so put a pin in that. We're going to come back okay. to it. Okay. Um, as a result of the trial, a bunch of love letters that the teens had written back and forth to each other became public. And kind of created Seriously? a bit of a narrative. Well, it's... Yeah. I mean, it's public record. Yeah, I guess. And I don't know if... It's a small town. Someone probably leaked them. But it helped to create a narrative of what the kids were dealing with in relation to Chrissy's parents. One quote where Chrissy is talking about how Vernon was going to discipline Chrissy's sister for going out on a date without permission. Chrissy wrote, if he hurts her, I swear I'll kill him. I won't let him do the same things to her that I've dealt with my whole life. So it sounds like he's a bit of a disciplinary. Like, he's pretty intense. I mean, this is the early 90s, and they're a hyper-Christian family. Spare the rod, spoil the child. I'm sure they got whooped. (laughs) I was in one of those families. You got whooped. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So The 90s were a whole different... Even watching, like... This is so off topic, but even watching, like, 90 movies... Girl, I know. How how do we... How? (laughs) Girl, I watched the first... I watched the first Beethoven the other day, like not the other day, like a month or two ago because it came out on Netflix. Yeah. Do you remember what the premise of that whole thing is? What is it? The main villain guy is working with like private contract gun contractors and they need to test a bullet to see the blood splatter and it has to be close to a human skull, which is a St. Bernard. So they're literally trying to capture Beethoven to shoot him in the head for blood splatter. Jesus Christ. I mean, like I this see is so many what things. we grew up on, which explains I know, so much about us. Have pity on the millennials. Like, it's not just that. Like, um, I watched a <laughs> clip because like people po- are posting stuff all the time. Right. About yeah. like new things they've discovered. Someone posts one with um, white chicks, uh-huh. which listen, that whole movie in and of itself is a thing. But it was this scene where they were singing like a rap song and the two white chicks say the N word. And then all the girls and the the actual like real Caucasian Wait. females turn yeah. to look at. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was trying to differentiate, but they turn and look at them. And they're like, you can't say that word. And they're like, well, nobody's around. And then all of them start singing that word. And it's like, no, 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 okay. no, no, no. Yeah, it's yeah. It's just not OK. <laughs> it's just not OK. So That's all that crazy. to say, I'm sure that they got whooped. And maybe they didn't. Who knows? Um, But the documentary goes on to play a little more of the confession where Bobby makes it clear that Chrissy was aware and in on the plan to kill her parents. So originally, the two were going to hire someone, which was confirmed by a friend and also verified by that who who also verified that Chrissy was there the whole time they were discussing the plan. And, And she didn't say anything, but she was there and she was aware of what was happening. The plan ultimately fell through, but we do learn from Detective Roach that they were able to confirm that Chrissy stole her father's gun a couple days before the murder and gave it to Bobby. Bobby says in that confession that if you guys want to listen, you can go back and play. Um, The next day at school, when Bobby saw Chrissy, he says that she was pissed and she cussed him out because she hadn't killed her parent. He hadn't killed her parents the night before. 
Bobby says that she kept pushing him to do it and pushing him to do it, but he just couldn't until one day when Chrissy called him sobbing, saying that something happened with her father that landed her in the hospital. Brace yourselves, everyone. Put the sensitive ears away. She said that her father had stuck a hot curling iron inside of her and that her (gasps) mother wasn't going to do anything about it. And that's what did it for Bobby. So that night, he did it. And was this... Okay. Was... How do I say this without sounding horrible? But do we know did this that actually, actually happened? Happen? This did not happen. So there and, were okay. no hospital records. There was no wounds to her body. This did not happen. So is she just lying about her dad? I don't know. Was she? Oh, okay. Chrissy. I don't know. And this I'm assuming did she ever get hand. charged since she gave, she stole the gun and gave it to him? Yes. So Christy was arrested as well the Monday after Bobby made his confession. But we're going to get into her case in like just a second. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened with her momentarily. Okay. Um, but in the, the documentary, it jumps to Bobby today. And he talks about how he understands now that he was manipulated. Yeah. Because... Like I said, that particular incident is not corroborated. There's no records to prove that any of that happened. Not to say that there wasn't abuse going on in the home. I mean, who knows what goes on behind closed doors? Like, who knows? Yeah, and I'm not yeah. saying that that he wasn't mistreating his kids or being too rough or being too strict or, 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 or whatever. But it's become very clear to Bobby as an adult that Chrissy told him about what happened to push him over the edge and it worked mm-hmm. because he was 15. Yeah. He talks about how the night when he was going to do it, he was driving on the highway because I guess they had lived way out in the country and like the whole time he was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. But then he was like, I have to, it has to be done. I have to protect her because in his mind, this man is torturing his girlfriend and, and abusing her brutally. And he's like, I, I have to protect her. The police aren't doing anything. Her mom isn't doing anything. I have to protect her. Mm-hmm. So. So he's not, he's thinking like a 15 year old and not thinking like a normal adult. Cause he's not like an, an adult. Cause he's not an adult. So he's 15. Yeah. So we're going to jump to Chrissy's trial. So they did try her separately from Bobby's. Um, She was prosecuted for, I apparently didn't write it down. It was for like, basically like uh, soliciting a murder. Okay. Like trying to convince someone or or getting someone to do a murder for you. Um, And I'm going to keep this kind of brief because, you know, we're focusing on Bobby. We're not focusing on her. I'll I'll talk a little bit. And if you have questions, I did read um, some stuff about her case. So I do have some answers. But um, the prosecution made the argument that she wanted to kill her parents for the inheritance so that she and Bobby could live happily ever after in their house. Because allegedly that's what she thought could happen. That's a little creepy. No one's going to investigate. Nobody's like they're just going to totally completely get away with it. But that sounds like that sounds like a 15 year old girl. Like it sounds like you just you're not you don't have the capacity to think through. The long at term. At the same time, like, I look back at my 15-year-old self, and I just 
don't think I could be like, oh, if I shoot my parents, no one's going to investigate. Like, I know people are going to investigate that shit. Like, I could totally even at 15, see her thinking that. that they could get away with it. But again, this is 92. They didn't I have mean, internet and podcasts. They girl, didn't have as much access to true crime. When we were at 15, we were in freaking it. We we were just in the cusp of social media. We were it's, in the knots, though. I mean, yeah, but it wasn't as like true crime wasn't as intense as it is now. We still had access more than they did in 92. Yeah, true. But that's just common sense to me. Like, I just that to me is like. I just I don't know. I just can't get behind. Maybe that. I just maybe can't get you were it. a more like aware 15 maybe. year old or maybe something like that, because I don't I know. Mean, but I also had no desire to ever kill my parents. So there you go. Right. Like <laughs> and this, it's it's these it's these tiny little things where I'm like something was going on in that home. Right. Like and I don't know what it was. It could have just been that she needed therapy because she wasn't uh, absorbing direction from her parents in a healthy way and she was absorbing it as abuse or control yeah. or like there was something going on like and maybe it didn't go so far as abuse maybe it was just harassment from her parents or I don't know but the fact that that thought did come to her mind right yeah like, that's like a red flag something was happening in that house and I don't know what it was I don't know and I'm not trying to victimize the victims further so I again I'm just gonna leave it at that but I, something was up so it's worth noting that her father testified against her in court saying, quote, she is the most manipulative person I have ever met. <gasps> that he'd never laid a hand on them and that they should be tried as adults and they needed to be punished with the wrath of God. OK, tell me that's not weird as hell. Yeah, that's a little weird because I just feel like that's his daughter. Yeah. I could see him being like, yo, she's fucking manipulative. She's not all there. But like being like the wrath of God. I couldn't see that. I couldn't see that at all. I absolutely could not see a man standing up unless he's an awful man standing up in court to testify against his daughter to get her thrown away for life in prison. Absolutely not. I could see a father standing up, a good father standing up in, in the court and saying, my daughter she needs, needs help. help. She needs help. Please get yeah. her help. Something is wrong. Yeah. But I cannot see a loving father in any Being circumstance like, standing yeah. up in a court of law saying this is the most manipulative person I've ever known. She should be tried as an adult and thrown away for life and be punished with the wrath of God. I cannot see a loving father ever saying that in my that's personal an, That's intense. It's intense, right? So it's another one of those things where I'm like, something is weird here. Now, remember, we did say he was enraged because he lost his wife, which, I, hey, listen, can appreciate it. Sucks really bad. But... There are healthy ways to cope with that and unhealthy ways to cope with that. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he turned straight to rage and then it was this much rage and then he was out for blood to the point that he's putting his daughter up on the cross to be crucified. OK, maybe that's a bad analogy. Maybe that's being a little overdramatic. But to me, that's like, OK, something's off with this dude, too. Yeah. Now, I will add. Because people grow and people change. Now, a couple decades later, he does visit her often in prison. And he keeps money on her books. And they have reached a peace between the other, between each other. Um, okay. And so she's still in jail. a loving relationship. She was also sentenced to life and is still serving her sentence today. 
um, in an interview that I found from the Dallas Morning News dated the 7th of March, 2017. She says that she regrets everything. She says to her, she says during one conversation with her dad, she told him like, why did we do it? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And she claims it started as a joke and escalated out of control. That's her side of the story. Started as a joke and escalated out of control. Yeah. Okay. That's what she says. Okay. Not buying that one. She still struggles with like forgiveness for herself. She said in the interview, she said, if forgiveness is when it stops hurting, then I'll never be able to forgive myself. And she and her older sister had a very strained relationship. It took a lot of time for her to be able to reconcile with her sister. And it was actually her dad who was able to encourage that reconciliation. And and now yeah. she and her sister do have a solid relationship so again. So he had a massive change of heart. And uh, okay. Is she getting an appeal? I couldn't find anything that said that she was even seeking an appeal. Maybe she's not. Maybe she feels like this is where I should be. Yeah, I was. I wondered because it's coming. Because like, like at the end of the day, it seems like it was her. It was her idea. So like, yeah, I could see where she's like, "This is my punishment for life." Yeah, yeah. Damn, I know. Okay, so back. Okay, back to Bobby. Okay, so back to Bobby. So Bobby says that he still has no ill will, ill will towards her. He said they were both young, they mm-hmm. were both misguided. And that she probably needed help. He just says that it's upsetting that everything he did, he really did for nothing. Because the reason he did it was because of this event that she said was happening. And it didn't happen. Yeah. And there was no evidence for abuse that ever came out. And there were no other allegations of abuse. But I still am going to just leave it out there. This man's reaction is not normal. It's a very aggressive, angry, toxic reaction, which I'm sure affected their home life. Um, But he did have a change of heart at some point in his life because Bobby also says that the hardest thing to do is to forgive himself for what he did because Mm -hmm. he's still like, I did that. That's still a thing that I did, even if it's not me, even if it's not the person I am. To do it. Like he got in his car, he drove for however long he drove. He fought with himself in the car Mm -hmm. and he still ended Mm -hmm. up doing it. He still made that decision. Right. Right. Although. After I I didn't write this down, but I want to say it was like 20, maybe it was like between 15 and 20 years um, later, Vernon did come to the jail and he did tell Bobby that he was forgiven. Okay. This dude has had a major change of heart. I mean, I think yeah. he finally found Jesus. I think he finally found Jesus. Found Jesus, yeah. The, re- the real Jesus. The real one. The real yeah. one. Yeah, the real one. The ones I was like, don't listen to that that garbage over there. I'm over here. Whatever you were Bobby. doing before, that's not how we do it. Yeah. yeah. God, could you imagine being Bobby and being like, you have a visitor today. It's him. Like, that had to be nerve-wracking. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. Can you? And then and then you like, you know, you're stressing out. You're freaking out. You're like showing up. You're sweaty. And then the, the man comes up and he's like, listen, I forgive you. And you're like, oh, shit. You're like, well, I damn, bro. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say. Oh, OK. So then we we meet Elizabeth 
Henke, I think is how you pronounce her name. I think is how it's said. Um, H-E-N-N-E-K-E. Um, and so she is an attorney who runs a nonprofit that basically helps people like Bobby, juvenile sentenced to life, mm-hmm. um, uh, get out or, or get their appeals through the court. Okay. Um, since that new Supreme Court ruling came out. Now, the issue that there is in Texas is that there isn't a statute within the state that grants a civil attorney to a client like Bobby who's seeking a re-sentencing. So there's no, you can't get like a state appointed attorney or whatever, a court appointed mm-hmm. attorney for that type of case. So you, you have to pay for it, which okay. unless you have like a family who has money, money, you how do, do you pay for it? Yeah. Right. So, um, that's really fucked up. I know. I know. Texas is a fucked up state. I'm starting to realize that Texas is just as fucked up as Virginia. Don't go to Texas. Don't go to Virginia. They're both very scary states. <laughs> Like when they say Texas is a whole nother girl, you're going to have people come after you. People that are from Texas, they are like Texas to the day I die. Yeah, you guys can come for me. That's fine. I'm down for it. But additionally, so it's going to get even more complicated. Okay, so uh, let me backtrack just for a little bit. So so like we said, they don't have these uh, civil attorneys to represent mm-hmm. these people so these essentially non-profits have to be really choosy about which cases they take they kind of have to take the bulletproof cases mm-hmm. and they show us ugh, it's just heart-wrenching i hate when they do this because they show us like his mom goes and meets with this woman his brother goes and meets with this woman she's like totally ready to take the case until on september 20th of 2018 a texas federal court ruled that juvenile appeals based on the 2012 Supreme Court ruling had to be filed within one year or they could not file. So they had to be filed by 2013 or they couldn't file. Damn, Texas. Tell me that's not bad. That's bad. Texas. Get it together. I know. And like, I'm not going to say... I'm just I'm just going to point out the administration that was leading our country in 2018. So there's that, um, which is just it's so it's so fucked up to me because I'm like, first Wait, of all, you have to assume. No, 20, uh, 2018 was when this ruling came out. 2013 said, is when they had to file their appeals by. So 2018. So wait, that. OK. Pause. Let me me reread it. Hold on. Let me reread it. On September 20th of 2018, Uh the Texas federal court ruled that juvenile appeals, which were based on the 2012 Supreme Court ruling, had to have been filed within one year of that ruling. Okay. Okay. So the appeals had to be filed by 2013. But this ruling didn't come out till 2018. Okay. But <clears throat> what pisses me off is I'm like, that assumes that they have access to this knowledge within a year, which is ridiculous. If you're mm-hmm. a juvenile sentenced to life by that time, like you're not going to be think like it wouldn't even occur to me to keep an eye on the Supreme Court. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like if I was locked up and I'd been there for God, 26 years like Bobby, like it wouldn't have even occurred to me not to mention 
finding someone who will take your case if you are a poor person yeah. who doesn't have access to all the money, that takes time. I mean, I think that this this issue with Elizabeth, like, you know, just sending her the information and having her look over the trial and all this other stuff, I mean, that took months in and of itself. Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's just, it pissed me off. I'm like, you are crippling people and just literally just capitalizing on prisoners. Like, that... It well, yeah, I mean, our prison system pissed is... me off. Is capitalized. It's a no, money-making system. Yeah. Especially in Virginia. Yeah. That's a scary place. I don't know how you lived there so long. <laughs> I mean, I was a minor. I couldn't go anywhere. Valid. Valid. <laughs> like. Valid. <laughs> but listen, so, it it just and okay, and also Miss Joe, you went to college there for a year. Like you chose, you chose to go to college in Virginia. Yeah, and I got out real fast. I was like, but no, still, this is not good. But you still chose it. I did not I, no, choose I thought you were gonna, where to live. I thought you were going to bring up Florida. Oh yeah, yeah, and then you went to Florida. Florida, which is like a I did whole live in Florida other for state. Five years. So you and like, and I do. I do love Florida. I still love Florida. Florida has a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Florida is its own type of crazy. It is, but it's delightful. <laughs> so, oh my God. so <laughs> I love Florida. I don't know what to say. <laughs> so this eliminated Bobby's ability to file a petition. And what sucks is Elizabeth found this information out a day after she accepted his case. No, so, he so got she literally so had to call him and be like, "Well, no." To be to be fair, she didn't. She just she was the only one who knew she had accepted it, so it wasn't that. But the phone call essentially was like, "We do want to accept your case, but we can't do it right now." So we're gonna try and like see if there's people who can do some work, um, basically trying to overturn this, set a new precedent, like you know, mm -hmm. establish that this is like not lawful or able to be upheld, which they are doing work on. Um. And while the Texas courts and advocacy agencies try to overthrow this ruling, Bobby remains in prison and he will be eligible for parole in 2027 along with Chrissy. Damn. It's like six years. He's so close. I bet he'll get out on parole before he gets out because of the appeal. I hope so. Don't you? I know. It sucks. Like, you start the story and you're like, fuck this kid. But then by the end of the documentary, you're like, this poor child. Yeah. <laughs> Get this I mean, man out. Listen, after you like, I heard more about it. It's like, he did do it. He did it. He admitted it. He, to this day, he admits it. So like, yes, he had to be punished. You could not, not be punished. He had to be punished. But life. I know. That to know. me is like insane. For a 15-year-old. For a 15-year-old. Give him 20 years. Let him become an adult. Let him try again. Give yeah. him 15 years. Like, let his brain develop all the way and understand. Like, because he wasn't able. Like, at, us as adults, right? Like, we go on Tinder all the time and, like, and, and maybe not all of us as adults, but generally us as adults, and we're looking. We're, like, keeping our eyes open because we know people can be manipulative. People can be tricksters. People can yeah, say things that they don't mean. Yeah, we've learned. We've experienced life. Because, yeah. exactly, because we have experienced those things, usually with less dire consequences. But at 15, and your girlfriend tells you that her dad just stuck a hot curling iron up her hoo-ha, 
like you're gonna be pissed and want to protect her because you love her and you don't know what to do with that and then you find out none of that happened and and that's not real and it's like well and i don't well now from what it sounds like he's not a danger to society like he's not at risk to hurt other people if he got i completely agree yeah it sounds like it was just like a really horrible mistake like i yeah like i don't even know how to phrase that poor poor judgment poor judgment poor judgment yeah which 15 year olds are prone to have on both parts and if you read this article i mean i encourage everyone to both watch the documentary and read the article the article like i said is from the dallas morning news it's the topic is an unusual family and you can find that on press reader you can just search for it have Uh, you actually said the show that you you told me but I don't think you No, but the show is um, Kids Behind Bars, Life or Parole, and the episode is Bobby. But the series actually does cover a lot of these kids who got life um, before the Supreme Court ruling. Because now you cannot sentence juveniles to life in prison. You can't yeah, sentence Yeah, them. I knew that was a thing, yeah. But Good. back then you could, so I know, I agree. But it's all about these kids who are sentenced to life and basically trying to get a second chance could you also imagine he went away and like let's just round it up after trial in this 93 okay imagine if he does get out in 2026 is it 2026 or 2027 27 whatever it's gonna be a big culture shock (laughs) like he's gonna be like that is gonna be a real tough and tough adjustment Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I don't know. But he has his family. Like, he has a loving family who is like, they go and visit him all the time. He has nieces and nephews. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has a support system, which is amazing. But could you imagine, like, if he didn't have that support system and he did get out? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Lord knows how those programs are. It'd be so hard. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, that is the case of. From a phone now? Yeah, girl. Yeah. You can get oh pretty much anything you want from I your phone now. I can use a ca- calculator <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> Damn math teachers, they lied to me my whole life. From your phone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. <clears throat> Dang. Well, I hope he gets yeah. out. That's the case of in, Bobby Gonzalez. In my I do opinion. too. I hope he gets out. And then not only that, I hope that he continues fighting to um, try and eliminate this new law in Texas. I hope that someone does something to get rid of that because that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. In my entire life. You know, welcome to Texas. Yeah. Scary place. I will go because I need to go see um, Jensen Eccles bar. That's the only reason I'm going to go. I'm going to go and I'm going to see it. I'm going to get out. I don't. I would like. I mean, I've heard there's some really cool towns in Texas. I've only been to I mean, like Austin's one part beautiful. Of Texas. So. I've only been to Dallas. I can't remember if I went. This was like when I was in middle school. And I can't remember if it was Dallas or Houston. And I know like Dallas hates Houston and Houston hates Dallas. Like da 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 da. There's like some random rivalry going on. But you went to one of them. I went to one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. And I went to a to a family friend's house, and that was about it. So, that's my experience in Texas. Yeah. But well, all right. On that lovely 
delightful no. note. <laughs> What's your <laughs> weekly win? Um. Wow, my weekly wins are getting real small. There has not been much going on in my life. Um. I don't know. I've been keeping up with like my work at working out a lot. Like How's your month. your watch thing? Uh, what is it? What oh, is it called? Bella Beat. I love it. It's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's working it's out. Super good. It is. It is. Um, it's nice because like it's more focused on your mental and physical, and it's like your health as a whole, and not like the Apple watches that are like close your your ring and like look at these calories you burn da, da, da. it's more like okay let's meditate let's breathe let's focus on bringing your stress levels down and like does yes, it track I your track, sleep it does track my sleep it tracks for women out there it tracks your cycle um it tracks your breathing throughout the whole day it tracks wow. your heartbeat throughout the whole day um you can track your water intake you can track your like activities that you've done to see like how many calories you burned and all that fun stuff. Um, it has meditation guides, breathing exercises. How do you like the, I mean, that, that all sounds awesome. And actually you're like kind of tempting me into getting one, but <coughs> how do you like the sleep tracker? Does it do a good, good job? Yeah, it does. It does. Does it tell you like when you're up and down and like whether you're like, no, in it's not that in depth. It just calculates okay. from when like, but like I can, so like I'll lay down and mm -hmm. it usually takes me a while to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. And when I like track it and stuff like that, like when I open the app and it like updates, it always gets it around the time that I actually fell asleep. Okay. And then it just kind of shows you like if you woke up during the night, like every single time it's like your sleep was disturbed. And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't sleep through the night. I'm a really bad sleeper. I know. Um, yeah, me too. But it will show you like when you woke up and those will always match to when I actually I woke up. I am actually super interested because my therapist thinks I have a sleep disorder. So <laughs> I'm going to have to start like trying to figure some stuff out. So I'm actually yeah, interested in getting a really they, good sleep And it tracker. has like... You get like six when you buy the the Bella Beat, you get like six months free to their app. Um, okay. And it has like actual like sleep meditation that you can do before you go to bed to help put you in a deep sleep to help your brain relax and like all that. That's stuff. interesting. So, so Bella Beat, okay. not an ad. I just like it. It's a good That's stuff. My weekly win. There you you can sponsor us, Bella B, if you I want to. I mean, if to. you want we to. We say no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about you? Okay, what's well, your weekly awesome. win? Yeah. Um, what's my weekly win this week? I don't know. It's been a good week. Um, I, think <laughs> I think my weekly win is that uh, so... <laughs> I don't Spit even know if this out. counts as a weekly win. I'm going to count it. So my poor sweet old man, Bullet. Oh, gosh. He's, I know. He'll be 13 in July. And he had a super intense on, it was Friday morning of last week. I woke up and he had puked, barfed, diarrheated, all Oof. the things all over the house. It was a disaster. Oh, poor baby. 
I know. And I was like freaking out because like I said, he's going to be 13 in July. And so I know like his days are numbered and I just wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for it. Um, but I was like, okay. So I took him to the vet and the vet tested because uh, I called the vet and they were like, get some of the bile so you can bring it in so we can test it. Apparently he got into a very small dose of rat poison, which apparently this is not entirely uncommon. I, I've never had a yard just for people out there. I've never had a yard. This is the first time I've ever had a yard. And it's not uncommon for dogs with yards because what can happen is like the rat can eat the poison and then like mm-hmm. go off and die in a yard. And then like the dog will like sniff it or lick it or like yeah. mess around with it or do something disgusting with it as dogs do. And then they get some of the poison or a cat can eat the rat who's been poisoned and then the cat's poop can have it yep. and then the dog can eat the cat's poop and we have tons of strays in our yard so it was probably through one of those things that he got it so it wasn't the it wasn't like super bad but anyways he was okay he made it he's all right he didn't die God, <laughs> that is definitely a weekly win how do you not count that as a weekly win jesus <laughs> lord I know that was my thoughts exactly I, I was like I told him that I was like cleaning up his vomit I was like you better not I swear to god you cannot you cannot go you can't yet do it you can't you not can't. yet oh give me goodness. till the summer I don't know like I can't <laughs> <answer>. <laughs> oh man well I'm glad he's okay yes he is okay he is old and crotchety and grumpy but he is okay he's still my number one snuggle bug oh but yeah, I think that's all I got for this week. So if you guys like what we're doing, we would love for you to give us a like, a follow, or a subscribe wherever you listen. If you listen to Apple Podcasts specifically, a review or a rating goes a long way. It helps push us up the charts. And then if you want to get more in touch with us or more involved, you can find us um, in our Facebook group at A Thousand True Crimes Podcast Discussion Group, or you can find us on Instagram at A Thousand True Crimes Pod. That's all I have for the housekeeping. Yeah. All right. Well, so until next time, next week, stay safe, get a dog, lock the damn door to the garage. I swear to God, if I have to tell you one more time, lock the door (laughs) to the garage. Yep. (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you next week. All right, bye, guys. Bye.